Welcome to F1 Reviews, a podcast where we rate and review each race in the F1 calendar. I am Doug Austin, along with my partner, Chris Costas. All right, everybody, welcome back to F1 Reviews. My name is Doug Austin. I'm here with Chris Costas once again. Hi, Chris. Hello, everybody. Hello, Doug. All right, so let's let's dive right into it. This was the uh, uh, week three Hungarian Grand Prix. So uh, we'll go ahead through the qualifying order. All right, so starting uh, from the back of the pack, just because I like to do that, um, Kimi Raikkonen started uh, 20th position, which, uh, again, kind of a bummer to see uh, Kimi, you know, a, a world champion, um, starting at the back like that, uh, but also joined by his Alfa Romeo uh, teammate, Antonio Giovinazzi, uh, both on the back row of yeah. the grid. Not uh, not the place that they want to be, obviously. Right, right. Um, next up, uh, Roman, Roman Grosjean in the uh, Haas on uh, 18th. Daniel mm-hmm. Kvyat in the Alpha Tauri. Tauri. I'll get it one day. <laughs> Uh, Kevin Magnuson <laughs> in the Haas. Um, again, kind of kind of a bummer to see uh, both the Haas cars towards the back, but um, right, you know, I, I think they looked fairly strong during qualifying, but uh, they, you know, again, Magnuson uh, just barely got beat, so uh, it kicked him out of Q one. So, and you and you know we who we don't see kicked out of Q one. You know we we I don't, we don't, we, we any don't see any drivers. Williams. Yeah. And it, it just so happens that in 15th, um, the first one uh, kicked out of Q2, uh, Nicholas Latifi, um, which, yeah. you know, for, for a, a rookie and driving a Williams 15th at your third race, not bad. Just right, say. right. Um, next, uh, Esteban Ocon, who, you know, really, I, I don't think we've heard that much of him uh, since coming back to Formula One. Um, I know he's a very talented driver, and I'd like to see a little more from him. Um, but, uh, you know, he, he's a bit rusty. So Yeah, yeah, I was, I was just going to say, yeah, it feels like he's still shaking a bit of the rust off. Uh, um, so I, I'll, I'll, I'll judge him a little bit more harshly towards the end of the year, but... For for now, I'm, I'm I'm taking it easy taking it easy on him. Right, he's three races in, so he's still kind of figuring out where he's at uh, within the team. Um, you know, his teammate Daniel Ricardo um, qualifying 11th, so really not that much farther up the field. Showing they're both pretty right. much getting what Renault, you know, they're getting the most out of the car that Renault can give them. Which, yeah, and, and and Ricardo was only just over a tenth faster than him, so. Right. Um, yeah, it's worth noting, like, all, all these guys are right on top of each other as far as time. Um, so, you know, and, and a couple tenths here and there, that's, I know it's a big deal when, when you look at it, like, on paper. But, uh, you know, the lap, there must be so much going on throughout that whole lap that a tenth here and there, um, you know, that's that's the, the flash of an eye. So, right, right. Um, yeah, and, and and the fact that that a lot of cars are within a few tenths of each other that 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 usually does make for um, more exciting racing and qualifying and stuff like that. Absolutely, um, and unfortunately, a driver that I think has a lot more pressure put on him, Alex Albon, uh, started thirteenth. Uh, yeah, again for Red Bull, it's 
you know, this is getting back to the Pierre Gasly kind of times where it's, uh, you know, it's just not where you expect to see a Red Bull. And I'm sure that's right. not where Red Bull wants to see their drivers. But unfortunately, um, you know, they, they've gone through all their drivers up to this point. So they, I, yeah. I feel like they've really got to work with Albon, especially because he's proven he can really uh, he can really bring the fight when needed. Oh, yeah. Um, Absolutely, yeah, and, and the thing is, is it, I, I know both uh, um, Red Bull uh, r- uh, drivers were having problems with the with their cars during qualifying too, because even even Max didn't qualify as well as we would have hoped. Because that's true. Uh, um, yeah, yeah, they were they, they were they were they were talking a lot about how this was going to be a race that Red Bull was going to do very well at, and then right. and qualifying really didn't show that very well. Yeah, it was it was surprising. Um, I mean, given that you know Hungara Ring is typically associated with a go kart track for Formula One cars, um, right? You know, you'd think that the Red Bull, you know, being a little down on power but having a good chassis with a lot of low speed downforce, um, you know, they should have done really well here. At least that's what, what the expectation right. was. But um, Alex Albon, and especially. Um, you know, edge, edging him out by uh, actually ju- just a couple thousands, really, was uh, George Russell in the Williams. Yeah. Um, which, you know, as, as bad as it looks for Albin, how great that looks for uh, George Russell, that taking that Williams right. and beating a Red Bull with it. Um, that's pretty amazing. Yeah. And and that's got to be a combination of the fact that Williams uh, is, is – is, I feel like they're starting to get their stuff together this year. Last year was a throwaway year. And I remember, you know, you know, early on in the season last year, I heard an interview with Claire Williams and she was just basically saying, you know what, this season we're just going to spend developing the car for next year. And we're starting, I think to see some of the fruits of that labor a little bit. Yeah. Which, which is a good thing uh, to see. And it, it almost makes me wonder, um, especially with 2020 being as crazy as it's been, um, you know, losing half the season. I'm not, I'm curious how many teams are taking this year seriously. So for example, you know, could Ferrari, um, to explain some of their lack of pace already be looking towards the 2021 regulations. Um, right. You know, a lot of the other teams, you know, Red Bull, even in this case, you know, maybe they're just saying 2020 is not going to be a real season. Um, who knows if we're even going to (laughs) get enough races to make it an official championship. Um, right. You know, so maybe, uh, that's, what's giving some of these teams like Williams or dare I say it, even racing point, uh, giving them kind of an advantage so that they're looking especially good this year. Right. Right. So yeah, I mean, it does at least on track. It doesn't look like that, but that's actually a really interesting thought. I, I didn't, I never, I never thought of it that way. It's, I mean, you know, cor- the coronavirus lockdown has really kind of mixed up things a lot for a lot of people, and I think that that's probably the most obvious and uh, o- oversaid statement ever on a podcast. Yeah. But <laughs> it, you know, it, it it throws everything into a bit of chaos, and in that chaos, you know. Just following, just following the the rules, isn't going to get you ahead necessarily. And in this case, right. I think that you're seeing a lot of teams that have kind of, I guess you could call them natural survival instincts. Um, that they're going to just know this is the best way to uh, to bring the fight. Um, 
Oh, is it, if that if that's the case, because the, with, with the with the uh, uh, the coronavirus stuff happening, uh, um, with them delaying the 2021 regulations until 2022, they're going to be racing these same cars next season. That's actually that's a good so, point. Yeah, so uh, I don't I don't know why any teams would back off if that's the case. True. Well, especially if they were. Uh, convinced that 2021 that would be the start of the new cars and so with this this year they you know they probably said what's you know what's good is good and this will you know this will be fine and there was, maybe it worked the other way where a lot of the smaller teams were like you know we still need to develop a solid car for 2020 because um, next year uh, you know because all the other teams are resting on their laurels and waiting till next right. year so with the exception of Mercedes. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. I mean, Mercedes is, it, it's, it's amazing just how dominant they were, you know? Um, yeah. Or how, how dominant they are. Um, but, uh, so, so moving up the grid more, um, you know, we talked about Daniel Ricardo and Renault 11th place, pretty yep. solidly a midfield team. Uh, uh, yeah, Alpha Tori, Tauri, Turi, Tai, I don't know. Pierre Gasly <laughs> ended up 10th place. Um, just barely made it to Q3, but then com- was complaining that he was having uh, some engine issues. And he, yeah. he said that the engine sounded like it was about lunched right at the beginning of Q3. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see where that ends up in the race. But, um, you know, so he did, I don't think he even set a time for Q3. Yeah, he he was kind of bad luck, Brian, all weekend. Um, he didn't get out in <laughs> FP one at all. <laughs> Did you like that? Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. He didn't get out in FP one at all. Uh, um, uh, they end up finding out it was just a sensor issue, not a power unit issue. So he goes out in FP two, and then um, uh, uh, on Saturday FP three, um, they end up. I think. If he even did get out at all, they end up spending most of FP3 swapping out his swapping out his power unit, so that way he'd be ready for qualifying. And then, as it turns out, the yeah, he doesn't even get a get a lap in during Q3. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate, um, but uh, yeah, because the the Honda engine's been you know performing really well. Um, much better than uh, in the days of uh, Fernando Alonso driving the McLaren, but um, yeah, Honda's really brought it, and you know to see engine failures are, from Honda are actually pretty rare. Um, I think so far Renault is leading the the uh, leading the way with engine failure this year, but you know we're only three races in, so we'll see what happens. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the the good thing if you're if you're a McLaren fan is is that the uh, the the Renault woes haven't been affecting any uh, or I, sh- I almost said any of the customer teams, but that they only have one customer team in McLaren at this point. Yeah, that's true. Um, next, uh, and speaking of McLaren, we've got uh, the two of them, uh, Lando Norris and Carlos Sainz lined up uh, eighth and ninth. Um, I'd say McLaren's been doing very well this year, um, especially uh, with some amazing drives by Norris. But, uh, you know, I'd say 8th and ninth on the grid, maybe a little less than, you know, what I was hoping for. But still both McLarens, you know, making it to Q3. This is far, far away from, you know, the days of uh, uh, the Fernando Alonso Honda McLaren. 
So still <laughs> right, good right. on them. Um, and especially moving to a, a Mercedes power unit next year, um, you know, I think we're all very an, an anxiously anticipating that. Right, right. Uh, yeah, that'll that'll be interesting to see to see next year. Exactly. Yeah. Um, also on on the uh, I, I think on the side of a little bit underwhelming uh, was uh, Max Verstappen, uh, only making it to seventh. Um, again, considering how hopeful everyone was for Red Bull for this race, uh, saying that this would be you know a piece of cake for Red Bull um, and just really suiting their car, it just the pace didn't seem to be there uh, in qualifying. Yeah, um, both of both drivers uh, were complaining of uh, issues during qualifying. Um, I remember actually, uh, you know, you mentioned Albon not making it out of uh, Q two, and he had a radio message. It was like, "Yeah, I told you guys not to send me out in traffic." Um, and 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 yeah, he got sent out. He he was caught behind a couple of couple of cars during his uh, second Q uh, Q two run. Um, and then one of them, I, I believe, I, I, I'm almost positive it was Albon also had some um, issues with his front wing. Like there was some, I remember them showing some damage on the front wing. I'm pretty sure it was Albon. Yeah, um, I believe so. Um, yeah, I, I think that that's, uh, you know, I, you could definitely sense when you heard uh, Albon over the radio getting upset about being sent out into traffic for qualifying, you know, that the team kind of set him up to fail. Um, you know, not. You know, well, maybe it is kind of uh, like Red Bull, uh, where they they <laughs> they have a, a habit of, of throwing very uh, uh, very young drivers, very inexperienced drivers into some very tough situations, and expecting them to not only survive but thrive. And right, I mean, while I guess that worked with Max Verstappen, it didn't work for Amy Amy uh Didn't work for Daniel Kvyat didn't work for uh, Scott Speed. It didn't work for you know. The, you can go through uh, almost decades at this point of drivers that the Red Bull Junior program has thrown to the wolves, and when they get <laughs> torn to shreds, everyone looks around. What happened? Right. <laughs> you know? right so I right. think Albin, you know, good on him for kind of yelling back at the team. You know, just guys, what are you doing to me? You know. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think. Uh, you know, and one thing I've actually kind of noticed um, over the years—you can feel free to debate me on this if you want—but um, as, as uh, dominant as Vettel was during that time, and maybe didn't get along very well with uh, Mark Webber, um, but uh, and especially when Ricardo came to be uh, Vettel's teammate, you know, like Red Bull seemed to kind of be the fun team on the grid. You know, the, like yeah. like the team where parties were always happening. Like you'd see, uh, you know, after the race, like. Uh, at Monaco, jumping into the pool after uh, Ricardo's win, it seemed kind of like a fun place to be. And then, um, ever since Verstappen moved in, it, it kind of seems like it's just taken on a much more serious and, you know, like we're here to win. We don't need any tomfoolery going on. Like, let's just get to, down to business. And it, it seems to kind of lost that, uh, the fun aspect of, you know, that's kind of why I liked uh, Red Bull from the start. You know what? Yeah. Now that you're mentioning that, I think, yeah, I, I, I think I'm starting to, to realize that too. That being said, I remember uh, there was an interview early on of uh, 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 Ricardo when he first got over to Renault saying, yeah, some of that, some of that social media stuff, those videos that he and Max were doing together being silly, some of that was a little bit distracting to him. 
Oh, really? And 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 and, and, he, and he felt like and and you know he, he says that, and then there's all those goofy videos of him and um, uh, uh, Hulkenberg last year. So maybe it, I guess it must not have been that distracting, but <laughs> right. And and I think uh, you know regardless, like a, a driver's personality, that's you know that's really the reason the sport exists anymore. That people want to see drivers having personalities, um, right? You know, and that what's that's what makes it. Uh, interesting to see these guys go back to back like this and wheel to wheel. Yeah. Um, you know, right, and, right. and you know, from day one at you know Hispania Racing uh, or what is it HRT? Um, that was uh, you know Daniel Ricardo always had this huge smile on his face, and right, you know, right, and uh, and it, it was so infectious to see that you know whether he was goofing around with Max Verstappen, whether he's you know goofing around with uh, Nico Hulkenberg or or Lando Norris. Yeah, yeah. Can I mention? <laughs> um, you know, it, it just seemed like uh, like he was a, a fun guy to be around, and any team that he was a part of, it just kind of became a fun place to be. Um, right, right. You know, and then uh, of course you have the kind of opposite of that, where you have, um, you know, uh, Ferrari, for example, with uh, Kimi Raikkonen and uh, Sebastian Vettel. You know, Vettel. Um, he's got a title to defend. He's serious about it. He's finally got the big break he's looking for, and he's you know he's expected. Uh, to win another championship, not just to win races, but to win championships for Ferrari. Yeah. Um, on, you know, and on top of that, you got a teammate that probably doesn't really want to talk much. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and I think we talked about it before that Ferrari's kind of, it seems like it's probably a pretty nightmarish place to work, you know? Yeah. Um, I, can, I can see that. So moving up the order from uh, Verstappen. Uh, 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 we have the Ferrari. So then, uh, uh, they, yeah, they're basically two by two from there on up. So both Ferraris of uh, Vettel and Leclerc, uh, fifth and sixth. Uh, um, so the, the interesting thing is, is uh, um, uh, uh, Sebastian Vettel since two thousand eight. They I remember them saying on the broadcast that he's never qualified lower than fifth, and he kept that record going. I, I was very, <laughs> I remember seeing that during qualifying, and I was thinking like, well, you know, all the most good things must come to an end, but. Um, that that was pretty cool to see uh, Ferrari, you know, back up in fifth and sixth, where you would expect to see them qualifying. Um, right, right. You know, as a, as a Ferrari fan, Doug, how how did that? You know, how how was that for you to see them finally back where they belong? Yeah, that it it, it felt kind of nice to see that um, that that pace kind of come back in qualifying a little bit. Um, and then uh, and following them. Um, which I was just blown away. The racing points of uh, Lance Stroll and Sergio Perez. Um, yeah. I mean, Sergio Perez, that's an excellent performance and something I think that he's capable of doing in a racing point on pretty much you know any given Sunday. Um, right. But I was really thrown to see Stroll third place. That's yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, that was that was pretty amazing. I couldn't believe that. That was, you know, excellent on their part. Um, and he actually he beat him by a couple tenths too. So Stroll definitely establishing his place in the team, um, especially as uh, you know rumors have begun to swirl uh, regarding Sebastian Vettel and racing points. So right, right. Well, you know that that's definitely a conversation for another time. But uh, you know there, right. there's something there <laughs> to be to keep track of along <laughs> the way. A talking point, if you yeah. will. Um, right. <laughs> but as dominant as those racing points were, um, it was, 
you know, just utter domination by Mercedes again. Um, just about a mm-hmm. second ahead of uh, Stroll and right, the rest right. of the pack. Um, Hamilton and Botas both getting everything they can out of that car. And um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's just amazing, you know, how far ahead they yeah, are. They, yeah, the, being the only ones in the 113s. Uh, um, and usually you say, okay, yeah, the, 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 you know, when you, when you say they're the only ones in the 113s, you may be like 113.8, 113.9. No, they're, they're like halfway into the 113s, while everybody else is like, you know, halfway into the 114s and even the uh, uh, high 114s, low 115s. Yeah, I mean, that's utterly dominant. Do you, now, Doug, do you, would you say that this could have any impact from uh, their DAS system? I would be, you know, willing willing to bet that that is a huge factor in this because that you know they're a second ahead in qualifying here. They've basically been, you know, in qualifying one two, and with the exception of the first race of the season, uh, uh, where where uh, uh, Lewis and Albon had that coming together. The the only reason that that Lewis that that they weren't one two in that race is because of the penalty that Lewis got. Right. Um, yeah, they've been really dominant. Um, you know, I, I haven't heard uh, too much of complaining about the tires. Um, you know, maybe the DAS is helping out with that. But the, uh, you know, the, with this race in particular, the the amount of complaining from Lewis the uh, or, or the team, you know, the tires are going off. Um, the last race, the transmission is you know, giving problems. Uh, Lewis had said even before, just as the race was starting, that it sounded like the engine was going into anti-stall. You know, by this point, I mean, I, I feel like Mercedes has cried wolf so much that I don't know who's <laughs> taking them seriously anymore because um, it never seems to be an issue. Um, yeah. You know, even at the end of the race, um, when uh, they were talking about bringing in uh, Lewis for soft tires, the the team runs out, gets ready, and then all of a sudden help go, you know, t- takes the tires back in and both, uh, the engineer and Lewis are confused who called for that. What was going on? I don't know. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think what happened was they called him in and he decided not to come in. Uh, uh, cause I don't think he thought he had enough of a gap to Verstappen to come in at that moment. Cause I think he was, uh, um, and it's going to sound funny me saying this. He was only 20 seconds ahead. Right. So that with the with the with the pit delta that would have that would have put Verstappen kind of a little bit closer uh, uh, than he would have liked. So I think he ended up doing a couple more laps to build out more of a gap before putting the softs on to um, uh, essentially do a qualifying lap. <laughs> what I mean, what's to get that pretty to get that last point is that even you know you talk about having a twenty second lap. That's assuming that's assuming Lewis had so much faith in the tire that. Not only was he set, you know, not quite comfortable with only 20 seconds, he had no fears of it, you know, the tire dropping off and only being 19, 18 seconds ahead. He knew that he was going to yeah. pull out a gap. And, yeah. And, and that he had that much confidence in it and was able to do that. Because I believe when he pitted, he had, it was either 24 or 27 seconds over Verstappen. Either way, a healthy lead. Yeah, and, and even then, he, when he came out of the pits, and Verstappen was still coming around the uh, the last corner. <laughs> right. Yeah, it wasn't even he wasn't even on his radar at that point. Um, right. Right. I, I did think that was a little funny on the radio, where uh, 
yeah, they, they tell Lewis, like, well, we're going to pit you. We'll put mediums on. And he says, well, why, why wouldn't we do softs? I mean, we only got 10 laps to go. And they're like, well, the softs yeah. will start grading after three. <laughs> so <laughs> that may have changed his mind a little bit to, like, okay, if we're going to yeah. do softs, let's get a couple more laps in. Well, he, he actually didn't even, he didn't even want to come in. Oh, yeah. I remember, I remember, I remember hearing he, that he didn't even want to come in. He goes, my tires are fine. <laughs> Yeah, which you never hear from Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, but so getting back to uh, so getting to the race, um, I, I guess even before we get to the race, uh, yeah, there's some drama unfolding before even the formation lap. <laughs> right. So yeah. So um, so the cars. So um, if you turn on the TV early enough, uh, you actually get to see you know, the grid walk and all that stuff that happens right before the epic F1 theme song. Um, <laughs> My favorite. And so, yeah, right. So uh, uh, what, what they do is they, so they, the, the cars come out of the pits uh, um, and then they pull up on the grid and they get their last minute preparations going for the race, right? And that's usually about, you know, 15 minutes, 20 minutes before the formation lap, right? Yeah. So the cars come out. They start making their way to the grid, and uh, um, in the chicane, which I believe is turns 9 and 10, if I remember correctly, uh, um, Verstappen catches the curb the wrong way and ends up uh, 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 nose first into one of the barriers. Uh. Knocks off his front wing and kind of bends out that front left tire a little bit. And all of it, so we're turning the TV on just as I'm watching everybody drive into the grid. And I thought it was like a replay of something where I see a Red Bull without a front wing. And then I, and then I realized, no, they're talking about Verstappen knocked his front wing off on the way to the grid and had a little bit of a crash. And I was like, what? So they show the replay of it and you see the tire bend out. They're like, yeah, yeah, we, we don't know if there's any kind of steering issue. We know he's got to put a new front wing on. And as it turns out, um, yeah, they have to uh, um, do a little bit of work on that front suspension. Yeah, I believe they replaced the uh, the tie rod, which, you know, it's not a particularly difficult job to do. Um, you know, I know I've done that myself. Uh, for anyone listening, uh, you know, curious about the technical aspects of this, this is the, uh, the, the part from the rack. It connects the rack and pinion that the steering wheel controls. Uh, to the actual hub of the wheel that allows it to turn left and right. Um, and basically, that, right. when that gets bent, the two wheels are going to be either facing towards each other or facing away from each other in a way that you're not going to be able yeah. to drive the car. So it's it's a fairly simple <clears throat> fix to do, but what really threw me was that they were able to do this on the grid, like as yeah. the race was about to start, that they were able to get in there and do this in a matter of like five or ten minutes. Yeah, and that just blew me away. Just you know how professional these guys are that they can get this thing up and ready to go. Um, right. Yeah. Eventually. Yeah. You because you, you said you've had to had to replace it. How long did it take you? Do you think to to replace a tie rod on your car? You know, I think if I if it was a good day and I had plenty of coffee and I had all the parts laid out and ready to go and I'd watch the YouTube video of how to do it the night before, I'd probably be under my car for about a good two hours. Um, yeah. You know, doing the tie rod myself. Um, but I, th- you know, it, it's amazing that this team. Um, again, we have to emphasize the team um, because, right. you know, if this uh, 
if it was just that you could drive your car to the track yourself, get it out there and go ahead, you know, win a Grand Prix, you know, this wouldn't be Formula One. What you know, it is a team sport, absolutely, and uh, the fact that they've got such talented people that can do this kind of stuff for the cars um, is uh, it's pretty amazing. Right. So. Right. Yeah, and, and and even at the end of the race, not and 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 not to not to spoil too much yet, but uh, um, yeah, Verstappen gets on the radio and just basically is praising the mechanics for for the for the work that they did, and uh, I think I think he used the term hero, which which would be somewhat of an accurate description. Yeah, um, I, I can actually say from personal experience, um, I, I did. Uh, some endurance racing in college and you know when you're the driver if, if you have some kind of issue with the car you're pretty helpless um and you're depending on your team to not only figure out what the issue is not only to figure out how to fix it but to actually put that time and effort in to fix it and fix it right so that you can get back out on track and uh get back in the race um you, right you know, right so Hats off to the mechanics and uh, crew members everywhere out there. You know, yeah. you don't get much TV time, but you make the race happen. So, exactly, yeah. So then, so all that happens, and then the race. Well, and then, well, then the formation lap happens. So some of the reason that Verstappen uh, um, biffed it in that chicane was because there was a little bit of water on the track. So all the cars came out on intermediate tires to start the race. Right. Um, that actually threw me a little bit when I saw Lewis Hamilton, uh, his team member, take the uh, tire jacket off the tire. And I go, oh, that's an intermediate. It, you know, it's got the green writing. And uh, yeah. it, it didn't really look all that wet out from from my mm-hmm. perspective on my couch, you know. <laughs> and it, it didn't look too bad. And even when there is a little bit of rain on the, on the surface, you know, you can drive a slick on it. You can't drive a 10 tenths by any means, but you can at least start doing some laps and the amount of uh aerodynamic downforce that these cars have provides kind of you know a suction onto the ground and it lifts the water it literally lifts the water out of the out of the course and throws it up in the air behind the car and you would think that having 20 or so cars out on course uh lifting up water like this at least a couple of them why not put on slick tires you know and and just you know, maybe take it easy for the first lap or two. No one's going to be quick because they're all fighting for position. Take it easy for the first lap or two and just wait until the a dry line starts to appear and then be the quickest cars on the field, especially when everyone else is having to pit. Um, and sure enough, that, that uh, ended up being the case for Daniel Kvyat, who asked the team, can we come in and put on slicks? And they ended up not going for it, but Haas did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they did, and it turned out to be a really great strategy call for them. Uh, um, although, and th- this is kind of a weird thing, they end up getting penalized for it for a rule that I, you know, I didn't realize that you're not allowed to make a, a pit stop call during the formation lap. I didn't know that was a thing. Right, and actually, as I understand it, um, and if anyone can you know, clarify me on this, that would be great because what I saw from the F1 TV, uh, from the F1 app was that there's, there's, uh, you're not allowed to, the driver has to be able to drive the car themselves without any help from essentially the pits. 
Right. Which I think to call a car in to put tires on, that's that's pretty reasonable considering that that happens constantly throughout the race. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. You know, really, I think what they were referring to was back in uh, like the 2010s, especially when, uh, you know, the, the KERS uh, energy recovery and deployment was first introduced. And you had the engineer kind of coaching the driver along saying, like, you know, you want to set up your energy recovery like this. You want to use your KERS here, um, you know, kind of helping them drive the car. And uh, people didn't like that, apparently. But, you know, I, I still didn't understand what the problem with that is because, as we just touched on, the team is a huge part of what makes a successful Formula One team, you know, I, pretty right, obviously. Right. Um, and, uh, and on top of that, um, Lando Norris, uh, his charge from, uh, you know, at, at the very end of the Austrian Grand Prix after Hamilton got his five-second penalty, uh, you can go back and listen to the you know, see the onboard and hear all the radio throughout the whole thing where his engineer is like, you know, saying, push, you know, hit the button now, you know, go for it here. Uh, make sure you cross, you know, cross the finish line with the, the button held down. And if that's the case, I mean, that sounds like that would be the rule that the rule was originally trying to prevent, not yeah. come into the ti- come into the pits for slick tires. The the only thing I can think of, um, and and when I was reading about the the, the penalty after the race, is there, it, they seem to think that the rules for calling somebody into the pits for a tire change um, are different on the formation lap than the rest of the race. But I don't I don't know. That just that just seems weird. And at the same time, I think if it was a rule specifically about the formation lap, then what would that have to do with? providing driver aid or coaching over the radio yeah see that's that that's that's just really weird to me there's there's something fishy there i think and it's something i hope that haas will appeal uh to the fia you know and absolutely maybe they'll they'll reinstate their position but um you know and uh well we'll get to that towards the end of the race Um, right right but uh also worth mentioning um i think uh He was out of position for the start. That gave him a uh, five-second penalty right at the beginning of the race, which I, I feel like for the Iceman, he's you know pretty okay with it. <laughs> you know, whatever whatever <laughs> happens, he's still in a car, he's still driving, he's having fun. So, right, what are you right. Do? <laughs> so, speaking of pit stops, um, there's a rash of pit stops at the well. First, actually, let's even just talk about the start. The start that itself. was pretty chaotic in and um, of itself. Yeah, especially uh, so so Botas. Um, you, you, you see his start, uh, he claims that he saw a light blinking on his steering wheel. He, you know, he was a little jittery. He let go of the clutch. He realizes his mistake. He gets back on the clutch and hits the brakes. But by that point, lights are already out and everyone else is taking off. Um, yeah, you know, and he, he ends up getting a pretty, pretty terrible start, even though he's claimed <laughs> right. to have jumped the start, um, but I don't. I don't think they penalized him because he didn't actually leave the the box. Right. Yeah. He didn't leave the box. It was. It was just like Vettel last year at uh, Japan, where he didn't. He jumped it a little bit, but stopped it from actually crossing the um, the sensor before the lights went out. Right. And you know, every time you see someone get a jump start and they realize their mistake immediately, every single time they have a an awful start anyway. So I'm curious why we even need to bother penalizing this. 
Um, <laughs> especially because the pen the penalty is pretty lenient. You know, it's only like five or ten seconds, and if that's the case, if you end up jumping the start. Stay with it, you know. Just get on it and take off. Just go, and let yeah. Them sort out the penalty. Um, you know, it's it might be worth it. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, it'd be it'd be one thing if the if the penalty was like a stop go or you have to drive through the pit lane or something like that. But but even so, I mean, it's it's kind of a self policing issue. You know, by this point in motorsport. You know, you realize that just jumping the start is a a very obvious way of rule breaking, and b yeah, you know it, it, it you end up screwing up your own start. So I don't think there's really any need to specifically wonder if they're going to penalize people who screw up their own races. But uh, you know, maybe they'll look into that. Yeah, def- de- definitely a few uh, um, a, a few uh, rule breaks in this race that were kind of like, well, why does this rule exist? Right, <laughs> exactly. Um, so so Botas messes up his start. He ends up falling down to I think seventh or eighth right off the bat. Um, we have uh, you know Hamilton jumps out to a huge lead, uh, mm-hmm. followed by and I. I feel like we need to have some kind of theme music or something just because I can't believe I'm about to say second place, Lance Stroll. Yeah. <laughs> Who expected that? Yeah. Yeah. Stroll gets up to second. I think uh, uh, Vettel got a pretty good start, ended up in third for a hot minute before um, Verstappen, who also got a pretty good start, ended up getting by him at, at one point. Yeah. Verstappen. Pretty early on. He, he worked his way uh, up to second and, uh, Ended up staying there the whole race, which actually was more exciting than it sounds. But you know, we'll we'll get around <laughs> to that. Um, but uh, yeah, let's see. Um, yeah, we did. We, you know, we had a, a clean opening lap. Uh, no one went off. Is it uh, clean but still exciting? At least I think. Oh, extremely exciting. Um, just with, um, you know, Botas losing out like that. Uh, with uh, some of the teams qualifying a little better than you expected them to do. And then uh, especially because a- after the first lap or first two or three laps, every everybody started pitting for uh, slick tires because oh, yeah. everyone realized it, it's just not that wet. And apparently right. you know, my, you know, sitting on the couch, I was right. <laughs> so <laughs> it was interesting to see everyone have to pit. And then on top of that, you have uh, the Haas cars who pitted, right away and all these other guys who took the chance to pit as soon as possible they're all up at the front so you have all the guys who are typically the front runners after they pit they got to work their way through traffic so you saw a lot of yeah really weird pairings of people who you wouldn't think would be fighting for position um you know anytime i saw i think i saw um you know botas going after grosjean i was just Right. <laughs> you know, stroll, <laughs> uh, you know, leading a train of cars. Um, it was, it was just pretty, it was really wild to see the, f- the first, I'd say third of the, of this race was, uh, just utter chaos. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, no one was where you expected them to be. Um, so it, it was, it well, was yeah, pretty cool. With, within the first four laps, every, everybody had, like, like you were saying, within the first four laps, everybody had pitted for slick tires. Uh, um, everybody went on the medium tires with the exception of... Um, Leclerc. Leclerc, yeah. Yeah, he went on the soft tires, which ended up not being a very good call, clearly. Right. <laughs> and I mean, 
I could see how that actually made sense because about, I believe it was about lap 20, lap 30, it was every five minutes there was going to be rain just around the corner. It's definitely coming. Go ahead, let's put the softs on because in a second, you know, we're going to have to put the rain tires on. And it never came. And all the drivers are out there on the circuit just saying, you know, my tires are falling apart. I can't keep this pace up. My tires are, are, are going away. They're, you know, graining, blistering, whatever. And uh, we, uh, you know, and, th- and then it kind of becomes this game of, is it going to rain? Is someone going to pit? Is someone going to, you know, have a tire failure or spin or something? You know, and... And believe it or not, that tension seemed to kind of suspend itself for pretty much the rest of the race. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, the funny thing is, too, is I, I do remember there's, there being, like, little spots of rain here and there. Like, especially in, um, I think it was, like, turns 6 and 7. And then I think turn 14, there like, you could see, like, a little bit of flex of rain on the, um, on the camera every now and then. But it never turned into anything. Right. It, it was, you know, I, I guess it was just, like, you know when it's, like, too hot for the rain to to stay on the track? It kind of steams up right away or, or just evaporates yeah. right away. Um, I mean, that kind of seemed to be the case because it, it didn't seem like anyone was reporting sliding on, on water. So, yeah. You know, um, yeah. There's a, there's a couple of radio uh, radio messages I heard from uh, Lando saying, "Up, oh, yep, I'm getting a little bit of rain on my visor." But then, but other than that, yeah, there wasn't really anything. You know, and then it kind of became a game of you know who's going to blink first. And in this case, I think it was Botas, uh, where he decides, "Look, I'm just going to pit because we're just losing time on uh, these tires that yeah. are worn out." So, you know, they pit. They did the mediums. And uh, mm-hmm. went back out and started chasing people down, getting fastest laps, and eventually yeah. everyone slowly slowly started coming around to, you know, the rain's not happening. Regardless, we got a pit, <laughs> or we're gonna be right. Uh, yeah, but yeah, Botas came in on lap thirty three to do that, and then um, yeah, uh, everybody else kind of came in immediately after that. There was a couple. There was a couple people that pitted before him, like uh, Vettel went in on a uh, lap twenty nine. Um, and everybody else that came in, you know, Leclerc, Giovinazzi, Vettel, they all went in on um, hards. And, yeah, both the Mercedes stayed on the softs. Yeah. Or not the softs, or the they stayed on the uh, mediums. Um, which was kind of interesting, especially with uh, Verstappen, who uh, had elected to go onto the hard tires. And it seemed as though those tires weren't quite going to make it the entire race. Um, right. You know, it, it happened once where Botas was catching him, and uh, they decided that rather than try and fight with Verstappen, it made more sense, let's just pit again, get on some fresh rubber, and we'll get him at the end of the race. Because, uh, uh, you know, I, that definitely, you know, as, as we drew towards the end of the race, and it definitely kind of turned into a nail-biter a little bit of, like, is Botas, does he have the pace to get around Verstappen? Because he was catching him uh, really quick. <laughs> and, you know, was yeah, well he, he was, DRS but he, did, he didn't get to him in time. It, was, it wasn't like, a, um, like the Styrian Grand Prix last week where he got to him with, like, five laps left. He didn't really get within uh, um, what would be considered striking distance until the very last. Like, he didn't even get DRS on him until the last lap. Right. Um, and... You know, knowing Verstappen and how hard he's willing to fight, and considering how well Botas has been doing this summer, um, you know, it wouldn't really be worth throwing the points away. 
So right, right. I think it was, you know, if Max is obviously slow or ends up sliding off or making a mistake because of the tires, let him. But don't force the issue because, um, yeah, it's a lot better to get third place points than potentially nothing. Right. Yeah, and, and Verstappen really, especially last year, like he started getting it together a lot. He st- he stopped making a lot of those mistakes, and you know we were talking about this last week. You you need more than one lap to pass Verstappen, even if he's slow. You still need a couple of laps to get close enough to him to be able to strike. Right. Exactly. Because, um, yeah, he, he won't let it go. Um, we saw in uh, at the Steering Grand Prix, Verstappen, he, you know, he brought the fight. He It was a losing fight, but, you know, he wasn't going to let Botas just get away with it. Um, exactly. Also, as a side note, I think it's definitely worth mentioning um, someone who embodied that spirit a lot this race was uh, Charles Leclerc. Um, oh, yeah. He had some great scraps um i think uh, even botas on leclerc um he fought him hard for uh for a couple laps and actually <laughs> yeah. got back ahead of him um uh, you know he, he yeah would, he, did, he did that with botas he did that with uh norris he did that with uh science albin um yeah it, it was just wild i mean you know leclerc he he didn't seem to be on you know uh, he seemed to be kind of on the back foot all day but uh, he, he all those battles he fought hard and he fought clean. So, you know, I think that that that's that's a long step from where he was last week. Yeah, 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 yeah. He he, you know, he when he makes a mistake, he really learns from that mistake. He's very he's very um, he's very self aware. Yeah, he he's definitely hard on himself. Um, you know the uh, the phrase "I am stupid." That's that's yeah. gonna become a uh, you know a meme uh, for for some of me and my friends. Um, anytime we you know pull a stupid, you know I am stupid. You know <laughs> <laughs> you know you, you kind of feel bad for him, uh, but uh, you know he's a good he's a good driver, um, and he's he's in a Ferrari, which you know I, I think he fully deserves to be there. Um, you know, he's a talented driver, and I'm, I'm just looking forward to seeing more from him, especially when he can challenge uh, for the front. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Once, once Ferrari gets their, their uh, mojo back, yeah, he'll, he'll definitely be right up there in some championship fights. On the topic of Ferrari, uh, Vettel actually finished sixth in this race. Yeah. So that'll be uh, a, a welcome change of pace from last weekend uh, for right. you know, the Scuderia to bring home some points. Yeah, sixth and eleventh. Um, yeah, Charles didn't bring home any points, but I, I, you know, a lot of that can can go back to that that tire call going onto the softs and that just not working out at all. Yeah, um, I, I kind of got the sense that, uh, especially after the start being so chaotic, um, you know. So, for example, for Botas, you know, botches the start, probably going to penalize him. He's stuck behind, uh, y- you know. Stroll, <laughs> if he's stuck behind <laughs> Stroll, or uh, I think even one of the Haas cars for a time. Um, yeah. You know, I think that at that point, Mercedes just had to say, you're the guinea pig this weekend, so we'll try <laughs> out on some other tires. You know, we're going to bring you in first, and then we'll see how that goes and, you know, give it to Hamilton. But Right, right. Um, but, I mean, it still worked out in his favor, you know, finishing third. Um, 
Right. And then uh, maybe not right behind him, but about 47 seconds adrift, fourth place, Lance Stroll. Yeah. You know, he 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 did well to, to, to hang on to that. Yeah. Yeah, I think I know that there's a I feel like there's a lot of Lance Stroll detractors out there and people who aren't fans of him, you know, what you know, when when your father is majority stakeholder of the team you're racing for, it doesn't look like you got there on merit. But right. Based off of his successes in previous forms of motorsport, you know, I don't see any reason why he wouldn't uh, be able to do well in Formula One, and in fact, is yeah. doing quite well this year. Yeah, the, yeah, because you know, they, I remember the uh, when he got the the racing point seat. It was between him and uh, um, you know Ocon and Perez, and they went out and put you know it was it was after the last race where they do that postseason test, and you know Lance Stroll did outperform. Uh, um, Ocon in that postseason test, so he 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 definitely earned that drive. Right, he's I mean he's absolutely there on merit. I believe I personally believe that. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, when you know when your father's the lead shareholder of a team, you know it, it's yeah. really easy for people I think to jump to conclusions. Um, yeah, the optics definitely aren't good there, but he 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 really stepped it up today. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then just behind him, uh, Alex Albon, who... Yeah, speaking of drivers that stepped it up. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, honestly, after a pretty lackluster qualifying, and uh, I thought a little... Uh, uh, watching him go, go after uh, Charles Leclerc, um, you know, I, I saw two moves where he kind of moved to the inside, like, hey, if you'll let me by, I think I'm a little quicker... I saw that twice in a row, and I'm come on, come on, Alex. This is not what they want to see. You got to push hard. And then the third time he comes around, he tries around the outside, sends it hard, and I go, okay, that that's yeah, what yeah. that's what we were waiting for. Um, yeah. yeah, he's put the big boy pants on, but he worked his way all the way up to fifth. It's funny they they, they gave uh, Verstappen driver of the day, but like the whole like towards the end of the race when they start showing the driver of the day graphics, I'm like, I feel like Albon deserved driver of the day. Yeah, I know it's fan voted, but <laughs> uh, no, he he worked his way up and um, he he didn't start well, but finishing fifth uh, to have Red Bull in you know spots two and five, that's that's some sorely needed points. So you know, good on them. Yeah, especially especially how they qualified. It's definitely that that was definitely a good a good result, all things considered. Uh, absolutely. Um, moving down the order, we had. Uh, Perez in seventh, also giving some great points, uh, you know, aiding uh, Lance Stroll for uh, racing point. And then uh, eighth place, Daniel Ricciardo in a Renault. You know, I know Dan Ricciardo is a talented driver. Um, Renault has thrown a ton of money at their Formula One program. Um, and I think eighth is actually a fairly good finishing position for them. Um, right. You know, not a win or a podium or top five even, but, you know, not not bad considering, you know, where, you know, some of Renault's issues and especially, um, and actually both their drivers finished. That, that's what I was just going to say. Yeah, actually, yeah, b- both their cars and both their customer cars finished. Yeah. Um, right behind uh, Daniel Ricciardo is uh, Carlos Sainz in ninth. And... Uh, I would actually say between Sainz in ninth and Lando Norris in thirteenth, 
Um, not quite the showing that maybe uh, we had come to expect after the first two races for McLaren, because uh, they looked really, really hot. They did say they did they did acknowledge that they were going to struggle a little bit at this track though, so that that doesn't come as that much of a surprise. True, and regardless, you know, points all, all the better. Um, actually, it should be noted, uh, Science actually crossed the line tenth. But then due to the uh, infraction we talked about before uh, for Magnuson, uh, they ended up switching places. So Magnuson ended up 10th and got one point for Haas, which I personally think they need to appeal as hard as they possibly can because, you know, when we get to the end of whatever this championship is, two points versus one point, you know, maybe Williams is going to get one this year. I think that that's very possible. And Haas is going to want at least one more. <laughs> yeah, with, with fewer races, every point's going to matter a lot more. So ho- hopefully, you know, maybe they can get that overturned. We'll see what happens as uh, things come out because there's, there's a lot of things still up in the air. You know, there's the uh, uh, Renault looking to, uh, what was it, uh, Racing Point for clarification on the rules uh, as far as copying yep. the old Mercedes design. Uh, they actually yeah. mentioned Ferrari's issue with the engine a few times during the broadcast, which um, still is... it. So, something smells there. I don't know what happened, but anytime you come to a conclusion and you don't want to share what that conclusion was with everyone, yeah. but you've signed an agreement... I don't know anyone who can look at that and think like, "Oh yeah, that's legit." Yeah, yeah. That that I'm I'm guessing that's a lot of the reason why Ferrari are so far off the pace. It's because like, yeah, we got we we got caught. They don't know exactly what we did, uh, um, but we're just going to make sure that we're you know on the straight and narrow this year. And it's yeah, it's 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 sent them down the grid a little bit because because it's not and it's it's not just the it's not just the Ferrari works team. But both Ferrari customer teams are towards the back of the grid too, so it affected them. Right, and I, again, I don't think that uh, it doesn't look good for Ferrari certainly, but it looks even worse for the FIA, where you have to enforce these rules. You come up with the rules, you have to enforce them, and when you find a team that's breaking them, instead of punishing them or letting uh, the other teams know what happened. You just say we came to an agreement, shook hands, and that's it, and and no one knows yeah. what's going on. You know that that seems extremely fishy to me. Um, there's a, a story of uh, actually a couple decades ago, the World Rally Championship, uh, where Toyota ended up. They were able to figure out a way to, I, I believe it was, have uh, a portion of their turbo that restricted the amount of air coming into the turbo that it was able to flex. Mm-hmm so that it would allow more air in at speed, but when the car was checked uh, while it wasn't running, it, it totally measured up. And once the FAA found out what had happened, they actually held a press conference and disassembled one of these turbos, you know, had a, a screen up behind them with diagrams of exactly how this thing was designed to work. They took Toyota and showed, you know, their rule, you know, the rule bending uh, to the world, whereas with Ferrari, they just say... Oh yeah, no, there was an infraction, but it's fine, you know. The way that I read it is that the FIA and uh, um, they they basically said, "Listen, we know what you did, but we have no way of proving that we know what you did." 
because there's certain, you know, in order for them to be able to share it, they would have to share, you know, some of the other intellectual property that wouldn't, um, what am I trying to say? Like to, uh, to share the intellectual they, property they, they, with the other teams giving, that maybe they would get an idea. Yeah, exactly. They, they would get an idea of, you know, other things that Ferrari were doing. And so as a result, they were like, okay, so we, we can't really prove that you used it, but we know that you were doing <laughs> something that you weren't supposed to be doing. Because a lot of it was, too, is, is that, you know, let's say if they do come, ha- come down hard on Ferrari, if Ferrari appeals it and takes it to court, they would, uh, uh, the FIA would have lost that court case because the burden of proof would have to be on the FIA. I think that's where the, stick, where, where, where the sticking point was in that whole thing. Yeah. I mean, to me, it just kind of sounds like, you know, when you're a teenager and you sneak out of the house and your parents catch you as you're coming home and, you know, you're obviously in trouble. So you did something wrong, but they don't know exactly what yet. Or, you know, so some, something's wrong. I know, you know, Ferrari yeah. is not completely on the up and up probably, but it, does, yeah. you know, it doesn't seem and, to be and, doing any, and that's what any you're favors seeing. this year so far. So what yeah. are you going to do? And, and that's what you're seeing in the results. So, and, and, and again, not just for Ferrari, the works team, but for their customers. Right. Yeah, Alfa Romeo is pretty far off the pace. Uh, in fact, uh, Reckon and Grosjean finished 15th and 17th respectively. Um yeah, really. Neither one of them doing, you know, not not doing much. They're kind of filling the uh, the Williams uh, position of last year. But that right. being said, Russell and Latifi ended up eighteenth and nineteenth. So yeah, yeah. Latifi, I felt bad for him. He got uh, um, you know the, the only contact made in the race. So Latifi, is, you know, at at the very beginning when everybody's pitting, he goes on to the. Um, the medium tire comes out of the pits first corner tangles with signs puncture. And not only was it a puncture, but it was in a particularly bad place where it took him a long time. I think he ended up getting lapped um, while he was coming back around to pit again or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Like he had a long way to go to get back to the pits. Um, but yeah, I mean, he was running uh, 10th at one point, I think he was even beating uh, George Russell. So, it was pretty surprising. Yeah, he he had a great start. It was just it was just some bad luck. Yeah, um, and then I think uh, the only other team that we haven't really discussed was uh, Alpha Tauri, and they're showing at the race. Yeah, um, yeah, Kv- yeah. They 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 had good potential. Kvyat finished twelfth, uh, uh, and then yeah, Gasly once again, you know, just you know, bad luck, Brian of the weekend. <laughs> yeah, that's. Uh, I mean, it's too bad, and you know, again. Uh, the Honda engine has actually been pretty successful. You know, that's the same engine, I believe, that's in uh, Verstappen and Albon's car. They've had no problem bringing the fight to uh, Mercedes. But, you know, Gasly, he he could tell after uh, Q3, you know, this thing's only got a couple more minutes or hours on it. And uh, sure enough, there, you know, it blows up uh, in the race. So So those are our, uh, those are our, uh, finishing orders of all the drivers. <laughs> uh, Doug, how would you rate this particular race? Uh, so, uh, the beginning of the race, 
good, good, exciting start. Lots of pit stops at the beginning when they're uh, uh, figuring out that, hey, we don't really need to be on the intermediate tires at this point. Uh, um, with uh, uh, some of the dr- a little bit of drama that happened before the race and also on the formation lap. You know, I was thinking, oh, this is going to be fun. There's talk of rain happening, which is like, oh, yeah, it's going to be more fun. And then it really didn't materialize into a whole lot of on-track action. So it became a little bit of a procession, you know, a couple of good overtakes here and there, a couple of good battles here and there. Uh, um, there, there was certainly the, you know, a lot of tension because, you know, you, you thought rain was going to come. But the rain never really ended up coming, and there wasn't a whole lot of chaos beyond the first 10 laps. So with that being said, uh, um, I'm probably going to give it about a two and a half. Okay. I, uh, see, now I, on the other hand, I think it's like incredibly refreshing to see such a mix-up in the order, to see people going you know, com- kind of completely out-of-the-box strategy, as in pitting at the end of the formation lap. You know, um, <laughs> right. you know, starting on inters, everyone going to slicks, the whole order getting met, mixed up, and that basically meant that you had people. There were there was some kind of battle going on the whole way through the race, right? Um, and then, and even if those battles were a little more few and far between and harder to keep track of, uh, especially because people weren't quite where you expected them to be, um, it uh, a lot like what it materialized at the end of the race especially uh, Botas coming, you know, going after Verstappen. Um, I think it set up a really good end to the race. So I would actually say this would, this would be a race that I would actually watch again, and especially if you if for those of you with the F1 TV app, um, you know, you can go back, you watch the race, and you can watch it from a certain driver's perspective and hear all their radio. I think that this would be, for, for the amount of chaos that happened right off the bat in this race, um, to be able to follow along with a select group of drivers that you're fans of, I think this would be a really good race to go back and watch. So I would actually go ahead and give it a four, a solid four. Okay. Um, that, you know, I think that this is a race that you could sit anyone down and all of a sudden they just go, oh my God, what is going on? This is wild. And then <laughs> right. watch these battles slowly unfold throughout the rest of the race uh, till it all comes down to is Botas going to get Verstappen or not? And uh, is, is it going to rain or not? What's going to happen? You know, the race did end up being a big tease, but, you know, yeah. it, <laughs> it, it kept you on your toes, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, it, for me, it had the potential to be more, and, and, and a lot of the potential uh, things that could have happened didn't materialize, and that's, that's kind of why I was a little bit lower on this one than you were. Yeah. All right, well, I think that that just about does it. Um, a successful Hungarian Grand Prix, and I believe that we're off uh, next week. Yep. Yeah, there's no race next week, but we will try to come up with some kind of uh, um, episode uh, 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 to uh, uh, tide you over in the week in between. Sounds good. So thank you very much for listening to F1 Reviews. We will see you all next time. Bye.